0: On this week's thoughts from the shade, the Eagles suffer probably their worst loss in what might be a decade. We'll get into it. Uh, we saw two fabulous college football playoff semifinal games come down to the wire and the national championship is set for Monday night. Uh, We'll give out some picks at the end of the show and take you into 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to Thoughts from the Shade. I don't know what what episode number to call this, bomb. We're just going to (laughs) get... get right into it. Uh, Is this 116B? Is this 116? Is this 117? I think we've made the executive decision uh, that last week's episode was a one-week peek behind the curtain to some holiday fun. Um, So, I mean, I'm I'm not here to kill you. I think a lot of people actually enjoyed it, Bob. But it's it's coming down. So if you're hearing this and it's too late, I'm sorry. Um, and if you're hearing this and it's not down yet, then I'd implore you to to maybe check it out. But Bob, just your thoughts. I mean, regardless of of the state of mind, the frame of mind, like we're going to talk about the Eagles. But you know, was that was the uh, we'll call it the impairment? Was was that was that? impactful to the comments on the Eagles last week?
1: I'm just gonna say it probably takes around fifteen to twenty drinks to talk yourself into this team doing anything. And <laughs> and, and and same with, with Alabama, a team that, you know, knocked off Auburn in miraculous faction in the iron ball on the road and then squeaks by Georgia, you know, you 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 throw a couple back and you just think to yourself, there's no way, right? There's no way these teams, these franchises, these organizations that are known for greatness, known for winning, known for sustained winning, are going to lose against the Arizona Cardinals and Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. So, yeah, I mean, tough week, tough episode, tough sports book. If you look at my balance, I am drained, back to zero, thousand dollars out the window. Had seven fifty on Bama. The remainder was on the Eagles on Sunday. So, not oh, a God. great, not a great holiday season for Bomb. Uh, so excited to, uh, you know, kick off 2024 here.
0: Pockets are a little lighter. I'm with you. I, I was riding the tide and I don't, I guess we'll we'll save it. We'll get, we'll get to that, that game, a uh, couple of great games, but we'll start with the spot in the shade line. Two, one, five, three, eight, five, five, one, six, four. I think we had a, an unhappy caller. Uh, I saw this hit the. The phone notification uh shortly thereafter the 35 31 defeat to the arizona cardinals on sunday
2: yeah uh, how you guys doing uh haven't called in, in a couple weeks figured i'd uh, do a wellness check on bomb uh mr uh i, I think he's like colon pal he was ready for war he's ready he's ready he's ready to uh, put the fucking combat boots on and go to war for this fucking team um, I don't know, if uh, maybe the war he was at was like Iraq, where he was looking for, like, the weapons of mass destruction and they just weren't there. Um, but I can uh, just confirm after watching that game today, this team fucking sucks. The team fucking sucks. The coaching staff fucking sucks. Like, it, it, oh, and there are people who are like, oh, you know, the coaching staff, um, and, and guess what, it's, it's management too. It's management. Because you know what, for, for years we've been told this fucking narrative that they'll be able to win games without goddamn linebackers or a secondary. It's a joke. People, oh, you know, there's so much talent. They're, okay, have weapons on offense. That's fine. On the defensive side of the ball, yeah, you have a talented defensive line. Your linebackers and your secondary fucking suck. They fucking suck. And the fact that this team has failed to notice that, acknowledge it, and invest in it is a crime against this fan base. And guess what? I just hope, Maybe Bombs is prepping for World War Three. I don't think he's ready for war yet. Maybe we'll be ready for war by the time September comes around. But I, I keep those bootstraps on in the, the offseason, Bob. They may do you some some justice on the golf course, like Tiger Wood is doing his SEAL training.
0: That's it. Yeah, that's – I mean, it's, it's fair. It's how we all feel. I mean, I, honestly, Bob, I feel like A.J. Brown. Like, I got no words. Like, all I really got is we lost to Jonathan Gannon. Like, that's just the fork in the heart. And I got no words, but that that call about, you know, looking to September and st- keeping the strapped, like what did you text me over the weekend or, or after maybe after the Bama game like you lost that and the Eagles lost you lost a big wager Eagle season is, is looking pretty, pretty uh, dead and you're like, "Oh, I can't wait for spring training to watch a 100-win wild card team get knocked in the second round."
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I said, I said and I'm wearing my Phillies hat today for for that purpose. Gee, it's 6 weeks till pitchers and catchers, but yeah, all we have to look forward to is a is a baseball team that will underachieve during the regular season, you know, and earn a wild card spot and then party like like they just won the World Series after winning 110 games. Like that's I'm so sick and tired of this damn city. It is infuriating. And the thing, you know, to kind of touch on that caller's point, I was ready for war last week. I was sitting on 95 Sunday morning, driving down to the game with the old lady and just talking about how, like, I have so much confidence in this team, not because of the coaches, but because of the players and Jalen Hurts and the fact that, like, this guy's proven he's a winner. And, you know, in some ways I still feel that way. But I think the point I was trying to get to last week was and and you know apologies if this didn't come out the right way G because I was having a little difficulty connecting thoughts but
0: it was the holiday season
1: but like I've been on really good really good enough uh, football teams really good like sports teams and and you know at a you know not definitely not like uh, at a high professional level or anything but like good teams that had suboptimal coaching or poor coaching and what i found is, you know, generally speaking, your team leaders and the guys on your team, you know, are able to overcome that. And in some ways, you know, maybe mutiny is too strong of a word. But I've been on teams where a coach calls a play or calls something and we, we just flat out ignore it. And, and, and you go about your business and say, yeah, we're not running that. We're not running that play. We're not doing this to that. And, um, you know, I get football is a different sport. I get it's a team game. You can kind of do your own thing in a sport like baseball. But I think the biggest disappointment coming out of Sunday, the biggest disappointment coming out of these last few weeks is I'm expecting a quarterback like Jalen Hurts to tell Brian Johnson, fuck no, I'm not running a QB sweep twice and then flipping a screen out to Kenneth Gainwell on third and long. Uh, I'm expecting a quarterback who now has been in the league for a few years, has taken a team to a Super Bowl, to have enough of a command at the offense to you know, not need a wristband and think about what concepts we need to run to beat specific defensive schemes that we're expecting in the moment. Can he not read the defense? Or is he tr- too trusting of his coaches? And that may have worked at Alabama, where you have the great Nick Saban, and we'll talk about him. He's he's slowly hitting the shitter, in my opinion. The great Nick Saban. The guy's lost more games in big playoff moments than I've ever seen. Clemson, fucking Michigan, all these teams that choke, choke, but Nick Saban crowns him. So, you know, he plays for Nick Saban. He plays for the great Lincoln Riley, a great offensive mind. When is Jalen Hurts going to sit here, put his hands over his ears, listen to the bullshit that's coming into the fucking headset, and totally ignore it and tell the guys, all right, it's a go route. It's a fucking button hook to A.J. Brown. It was just last week they threw a third and 20 over a zone into Brown to convert a first down. And and we're running QB sweep, QB sweep, swing pass, uh, I should say a a bubble screen out to Kenneth Gainwell into Smitty. It's disgusting, G. So I think that's the type of energy I was expecting from Your two hundred fifty million dollar quarterback, the big winner, the guy who's done it all—like I'm expecting him to take the bull by the horns. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: No, I think you're. I think you're right. He's he certainly owns his his part in this at this point. But back to the car. I mean, everybody stinks. Everybody's accountable, and it it just looks so broken, so rotten. I feel like we've been saying it for the last couple weeks. Um, but I had some family in town over the weekend and we had the game on and we're in the living room and I mean, I, 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 I took more joy playing go fish with, uh, my, my four-year-old nephew as the Cardinals are like driving down for another breaking finish, uh, than I did like watching the game. And even we were at a first birthday party for Penn state. Like that's what these teams have done to us. I'm, I'm getting more joy out of and I and I shouldn't frame it this way because those really are the important things. But like usually when it's a New Year's Six bowl game or it's a gotta have it end of the regular season NFL game, like I need to be locked in, no distractions, and I I have no desire to be locked in right now because of what we're seeing on the field. And we're just seeing we're seeing coaches that are incompetent. We're seeing players that have realized their coaches are incompetent, uh, and you couple that with a defense that. I don't know, maybe the defensive line is aging uh, or is on the field for way too long. They were on the field for close to 40 minutes on Sunday against Midget Murray, chasing him around. And then you have uh, linebackers in the secondary that are definitely underwhelming or, or lacking on talent. And you get what you get. You lose to the 3-12 and 12 Cardinals. Don't think they punt it all day. Uh, and Jonathan Gannon comes in and feels comfortable as ever. I know Nick S. wanted to make him really uncomfortable but he came in and felt so comfortable, like he was back at home. And he probably pulled up in the G wagon and said, "We're going to gut Nick S." And he certainly did that. Uh, and I'm I'm just really at a loss at this point. I think I th- think the season's over.
1: When you have a guy, a guy like Kyler Murray who watches zero film, show up in your building wearing a Sydney, Cos- uh, Sydney Crosby Penguins jersey, that's you all you only need to know. There's no fear in, inspired by this Eagles team. There's no. There's no um uh, trepidation as it relates to coming in the link. The 49ers came in here and they snatched your girl. They went down to Dallas, they got their teeth kicked in. They go out to Drew Locke, and they get they get shown up by him. He he looks like fucking, you know, John Elway on the drive against Cleveland back in the day in the playoffs. 90 yards down the field to win the game. And when you got Midget Mary rolling into the link, I don't know where where did you get the where do you think you got the jersey, G? I don't know does is Ruben able to get like a like an adults extra small Crosby jersey. I don't know if he's got the Fanatics gear for the fucking hockey, but somehow Midget Murray was able to get an extra small adults Sidney Crosby sweater to come in the link and totally fucking dominate.
0: Awful, man. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, you 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 were there and like I said I was half ass paying attention, right? Um, but certainly saw the the sequence at the end of the game that you mentioned earlier, like what, what, did, what did you see in the in, in the stands in the crowd?
1: Well, I mean, early on the vibes are great. I mean, the the interception return, I think everyone, myself included, kind of assumed that was going to be the party leading into the mummers.
0: Let me uh, let me just stop you there because like I'll forget to mention this, but let's just put it in perspective that the Eagles were a thirteen point favorite and had a ninety nine yard interception return for a touchdown and still lost to the 3-12 Cardinals.
1: It's re- really hard to do. And 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 I heard a lot of people talking about, "Oh, this is the play that gets this defense going. We got a takeaway." And I said to the guy in front of me, "Um, it's not like we 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 read his eyes or we like, you know, made some phenomenal play where we got our hands up into his passing lane, the ball got tipped up, and we were opportunistic. I mean, Midget Murray just threw it to us. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, you could have been standing back there and you would have returned it out to the 40 at least, right? Like it wasn't like the Eagles' defense went out and turned this team over. It was a total miscommunication chucked up directly to the safety.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. It was totally broken play, and uh, I feel like Brown was just kind of luck- lucky to be there because the receiver breaks inside, and he's kind of making his way over, and then the ball just gets floated out into no man's land for Brown to go and take it.
1: So I- I'll tell you for me where, where the-, the doubt crept in. Obviously, they had the tw- – I think it was 21-6 to at half, 21-13, um, I thought the Eagles really had an opportunity to get down the field there. There was a ball to Smith down the sideline that I thought was a bad shot by Jalen. I thought if he throws it up, maybe I'm wrong. I'm sitting at the 35 up in the nosebleed so I can see the whole field. But I think if he throws it up towards the numbers, towards the hash, it allows a guy like Devontae, who's a superior ball tracker, to go run that ball down closer to the middle of the field and hit it for six. Instead, he kind of cuts it off. It's a little bit of a cut. It, it looked like the ball's spinning to the sideline, and Smitty's got to contort his body. So they go, they they get go three and out, and then um and then uh, Arizona goes down the field. And I found myself in the moment, G, after they scored the six there to cut it to twenty one nineteen. They're they're going for two, and I found my my brain was saying fuck this football team, and my heart and my guts and my mouth were like all right let's just get. Let's just get a stop here, keep it at two, go down, we'll score seven, and this game's over, put them away. And then the minute they punched that in, and made it 21-21. I, I knew this team was fucked. And, and my, my entire persona changed during the game. I'm there with my wife. You think I want to sit here and drop F-bombs next to, like, a, a seven-year-old? No, I don't want to do that on fucking New Year's Eve. But I do what has to be done. The guys in front of me were eating it up. They're like, you're the only guy that says it around here. They, they get that ball. Gannon has no no worry about Nick S, you know, running the clock out and scoring seven there. He sides it. I mean, talk about disrespect. Dude, you do that in Madden when you know you're going to go down and get seven, bro. Like, that is insane. And they call that first QB sweep. And I'm going nuts. I'm screaming out. You know, They they handed a Maserati to a guy who can't even earn his learner's permit. That's Brian Johnson, in my opinion. He's got a Maserati. Daddy bought him a Maserati. Nick Gas bought him a Maserati, and he doesn't even have his learner's permit. And then I'm screaming, run it again! And lo and behold, they ran it again. G, they ran it again, and uh, and and I'm just going off. You know, I'm screaming, and the guys in front of me are eating it up. Like like this is a Big Twelve offense. Like like Brian Johnson thinks we're playing Baylor in Week Seven right now. It is pathetic. And then to throw that ball to Kenneth Gainwell, like wasn't it just a few weeks ago where we were bitching about? You know, how Sirianni says, we got to feed three guys, we got to feed three guys. Well, the biggest play of the season, the biggest moment of the season, he goes to his backup running back on a bubble screen, blocked up by Devontae Smith, and everybody talks about the injury. You know, it's football, but, like, talk about a dumb play. Why do you do that? Like, you're throwing it to his side. It's just so frustrating, and to see them lose, to see them... To see the Cardinals get down the field and score, like as a fan, that's what that's what the Eagles deserve. Like I can't sit here and be upset that they lost. I have to sit here and be objective and say, like this team fucking stinks, and the coaching staff is is even worse.
0: Yeah, they stink. And you you brought up the onside kick. I honestly forgot about that. So that's Arizona tied the game, and then JG has the the nads to onside kick it, and I like sitting in the room with my family, and I'm like, well, he probably just thinks, like, either the Eagles will stop themselves or if they score quick enough, like, there's he has no doubts that the Eagles' defense isn't going to stop anybody. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it on the offensive side. On the defensive side, they do nothing, nothing to disrupt, like, the passing game of the other team. They don't jam anybody at the line of scrimmage. Everybody's running free across the middle, through the seams on the sidelines everywhere, and we have Smith and Brown and Goddard, and these guys have to scratch and claw and catch these balls with two guys on their backs. And we play a team that's three and twelve, and they just got have guys running wide open. We're doing nothing, nothing at all to disrupt it. Um, so whether it's Desai, whether it's Patricia, it's you know that that move that move netted absolutely nothing. And I feel like I said it at the time, like. It was an opportunity for Nick S to be like, Oh, hey, our our schedule softens up, like I can make this change and it'll it'll look like I made the right move and it's totally backfired. Uh and it's just it's gotten even worse. It's it's embarrassing.
1: Yeah, and our caller and we've talked about it, right? The back end's bad, the linebacker plays bad. They've been bit by the injury bug there, but again, no no guys like ready to go. Like no 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 I mean even before the injuries, like we we still don't know who Nicobe Dean is. Like we still don't know like, and we had no backup going into the season. But and and obviously the secondary's a mess. My biggest bone to pick here is with the fucking D line, dude. I mean, number one, schematically, I think Hassan Reddick dropped in coverage seven times. Like, isn't that the reason why he left Arizona? We dropped him in coverage 7 paying this guy all these millions of dollars to get after the quarterback. But the bigger issue, in my opinion, is a guy by the name of Josh fucking sweat, okay? I'm so sick and Sweaty. tired of hearing this guy. So, I think coming into the game, he hadn't sacked a quarterback in six games. Hey, he didn't obviously didn't get home on, uh, on Sunday. He's got like one sack in his last like eight, nine games, and he's got six and a half on the season. Here's what he said before the game, G. Here's what he said before the game in the week leading up to the game. It's like the Holy Grail number. If you want to question it, you can just turn on the film and see how close I am. Uh, So he says that, right? So he's feeling good about himself. So Josh Sweat is the second to last guy getting introduced as the defense comes out in player introductions. Fletcher Cox is the last guy that comes out. Josh Sweat. Except he's not known as Josh Sweat anymore. He's like Big Play Slay. He's got a new nickname. I don't know if you've heard this. Do they talk about it on the broadcast?
0: No, do they give it to you over the PA system too?
1: The entire game. (laughs) Not not only in pregame. We're talking about like we've been gashed by eight yards by we we've been gashed for eight yards by James Conner and Josh Sweat falls on him. Tackle made by Sweaty J. Sweaty J. I,
0: I don't know the PA guy's name, but like he he kind of sounds like Dan Baker a little bit, like the guy that replaced him. But that's what he says on the on the loud system. The entire in the game. intro
1: now introducing. At defensive end, Sweaty Jay, And he... And he oh, my this God. is This is what the other teams do to the Eagles. That's what it is. The Sweaty Jay. The fact that this guy sits here in the lead-up to that game against Midget Murray. You know, when we're talking about his sack totals. And he says, I've been close all year. Flip the tape on. Been close all year? You're about to play one of the guys who scrambles around like a little flea in the pocket. You should be talking about that. Not your stats all damn year. It's pathetic, and then to come up with a nickname—that's fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, give me, give me, gotta, gotta maintain rush lanes and keep them in the pocket and not let them get out. Now we're talking individual accolades. I forgot to bring it up, talking about like the the final, or I guess the second to final offensive sequence there for the Eagles. But they asked Nick S about that after the game, and they were like, "Wasn't this a spot to be aggressive?" And he's like, "I think we were aggressive, right?" Like. We we called up things to uh, hit the gaps in their blitz because we anticipated them bringing pressure. Like, did you not just work with Jonathan Gannon for the last two years? Like, when did this guy ever bring pressure? And you mentioned Hassan Reddick being dropped back into coverage. Like, I feel like we saw that with JG. Like, that guy didn't bring Hassan Reddick, and we we still don't. And then he never brought pressure. And your your play calls at the biggest sequence of the game were all to counter pressure.
1: It's, it's odd. And, and and the fact that this, like, if that's the thinking, I, I, I'm I mistaken here, Jake. I'm totally, I, I'm going to stick my hand up. Never played football. I watch a lot of it, lose a lot of it on my fucking gambling. But <laughs> here I thought all year long, the, Eagle, the reason the Eagles called these stupid fucking plays was because they thought they were bigger, faster, tougher, stronger than the other team. And they could just, regardless of what defense is called, just beat you just beat you one-on-one beat you at the block beat you at the point of attack that was my assumption I there's no there's no other reason why this team would be so in love with the QB draw so in love with the swing passes and so infatuated with the word the word I hate execution execution right so I I mean it's it's what 17 weeks I'm thinking it's it's well the Eagles just think they're better than everybody they don't have to scheme anybody open they don't have to do anything schematically they don't have to do anything crazy designs It's they're, we're just better than you and then to find out <laughs> that's not the case they thought they were calling plays that would work for a blitz for a guy that doesn't fucking blitz
0: yeah they think they're out, outsmarting people
1: holy shit
0: Nah, it's it's bad. And like you made the Chip reference a few weeks ago, and now I see like Colin Coward and and you know Gillio and people in the mainstream saying like this is this looks like the end of uh, Chip Kelly, where he just you know ran his stuff uh, I- until it cost him his job, and that's like what Nick S and company are doing here. Uh, but I, I I hope it costs him his job. Like I'd fire the coach today and just try to salvage anything for for a run because. I think we, we said weeks ago this is this is not salvageable
1: do, do they have any like other offensive minds in that building like patricia was like the defense, special defensive assistant and like i get he hasn't looked good but again that team i mean that personnel is really bad but like do they not have any other offensive minds like at, at, at what point can we say hey wait hang on matt matt patricia you coach. Offense, we're in New England, right? So maybe we'll switch you over to play caller on offense. We'll bring Desai back. Maybe we'll just flip flop him and BJ because BJ knows exactly what play to call or exactly what play not to call as an offense based on his predictions and on our offensive play calling. So it's just it's unbelievable. You know, you look at you look at a sport like baseball where the Phillies pulled the plug on Joe Girardi and they bring in Topper and a guy that changed the changed the locker room, changed the way those guys went about their business. Um, and again, you know, not that he's gotten you over the hump, but you could you could tell that team flipped the switch when that coach changed. And I I have to ask, like like what what is the point of keeping Sirianni at this point? Because I think we both agree, at the end of this year, let's assume this team gets bounced in the first round. If it's a miracle, maybe they win a wild card weekend game. There's changes that are needed a coordinator, so you're going to need a new DC and you're going to need a new OC. So let's assume the OC is is a great play caller, a, a, a mastermind, a guy that you want to pair with a Jalen Hurts. Well, that guy has a good year, good year and a half, good two years. He's on to the next job, and then we're right back where we are with Nick S. It's not like he does a great job at like clock management, game management, decision making. Like, there's no redeeming quality about this guy, other than maybe his contract. Like they must have they must pay him less than what I make. Like the Eagles literally <laughs> probably have this guy on like a team friendly contract. And then they meet with him every Monday morning. Hey, Nick, here's what here's what we need you to do this week. Go run the... Like, he's just a little puppet. But even at that, he's horrible. He's horrible. So, in my opinion, I just don't see the benefit of keeping a guy that doesn't do one side of the ball when if you find the next coordinator, you're going to have to replace that coordinator anyway. So, we're going to be right back where we are, G. So, I, I don't know if I'm crazy, but, you know, Eric Bieniemy's probably going to be looking for a job. We know Belichick might be looking for a job. We know Ben Johnson. I think you mentioned him out in Detroit. Potential opportunity for a promotion. There's going to be a lot of sexy names out there this year, and, and I don't want to get stuck in a situation where we're picking up, you know, a no-name guy at the bottom of the barrel to come in and coach an established, veteran football team with the Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. So that's that's what I think. I don't know. I don't know if you have a similar opinion or feel differently.
0: Yeah, don't and don't forget about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he's probably on the on the cusp of winning a national championship. And then you can look at his brother uh, and the guys that he has on his staff: Todd Monkin, Mike McDonald, the two coordinators in Baltimore that have done an outstanding job. Um, but yeah, I, I think like and, and dude, you said this years ago, and I saw it on on Twitter. Like, I think there needs to be some re thinking or new strategy in terms of like hiring a coach because like again nick S J F jf like these ceo guys that do nothing well why are they here so like bring in a guy who's an oc like a ben johnson or b enemy or somebody like that hey you're the head coach but we're gonna hire a clock management guy or we're gonna hire an in-game strategist and he's gonna be the the in-game coordinator or the the play clock coordinator, the time management coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Like I think there needs to be some, some new school of thought in terms of building a coaching staff where like you're like you're the head coach, you're the play caller. And then like we have another guy that does like what these CEO head coach guys supposedly are responsible for. Like that should just be a separate position. That shouldn't be like a head coaching thing anymore.
1: Totally agree. It's, it's, it's two different things it's two different capabilities like you know you know who you know who does a good job of it obviously Belichick does like a phenomenal job at that kind of stuff and like but remember that remember that little little wrinkle that Vrabel had a few years ago where he had his guys do an intentional false start with the play clock running and then because it was on this side of this timing he's able to get the extra 40 seconds running off like I don't think our coach has the faintest clue of like how the clock works like he might know how many timeouts we have. Three, because he used two of them. We had one left. But I don't think he has any idea about, like, the mechanics of the clock, when it gets stopped, at what point in the fourth quarter, second quarter, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, that's a whole different skill. Like, but but you have to ask yourself, if Nick isn't calling the plays and he's not involved, you know, in in, in that, what is he doing all game? Like, what what is he doing all game? And I think we have an inkling, because when the – The sky cam goes by the sideline, and it zeroes in on Nick's mug, and things are going well. What's he do? Right to it.
0: He's celebrating. He's a clown. He's a cheerleader. Yeah, and, like, the other thing, like, I I know you, you pointed out Saban and maybe his demise a little bit, but, like, you watched that game yesterday, and how good were they in special teams? Like, Michigan punts this ball up in the air the the punt returner can't get to it but like a guy in 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 punt coverage you know is on his man so he gets caught up and the ball hits his foot and and Alabama's right there to like get on it like they're a disciplined team like the this Eagles team is not disciplined they don't get play calls in on time they they commit dumb penalties um and and maybe I shouldn't say that about Bama with the snaps and and some of the offensive penalties yesterday but like yeah, he 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 doesn't like Nick S. Nick Sirianni, the fake Nick S. He doesn't instill any any discipline, any obedience in his team. He he just brings nothing other than like his d bag personality when they're winning.
1: Dude, it's so funny listening to him like on interviews and stuff. Like he called into one of the legacy you know sports talk radio shows. He's got the weekly spot. You can tell when they're going good. Hey guys, Nick here. And then when they're going to bed, yeah. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, I am just not. I am not going to talk about that. I am just not going to talk about that.
0: Well, you, you 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 try to go back and make the corrections, and you can learn from a win, and you can learn from a loss, right? And we've all been through adversity in our life, right? And we we've all overcome things much harder outside of football than what we're going through right now, right? So I have all the confidence in the world in these guys to to get it right, and we're going to practice harder and coach better and play better, like. He's just a he's just a mouthpiece bullshitter.
1: Yeah, and the the thing too, G, is like obviously his first impression during that opening press conference, like when he was named the head coach, like you know, I think everyone clown him, and I, you know, I think you owe the guy a little bit of slack there. You know, he's never kind of done that before, and you know, we remember when Doug got hired. It's not like everybody loved him, but like you can't be. Mr. Tough Guy, the energy of the party when things are going well, and then and then have stupid, dumb answers when things are going poorly. Like the fact that he said that QB sweep, QB sweep, and uh, halfback bubble screen into the boundary on like third and twenty was aggressive. Like, how? I, I mean, I I don't know if like the media, the legacy media has changed, but in, in yesteryear. That guy would be getting killed. I think Rich Kotite at one point, I think I sent it to you. There was a quote where, you know, I forget exactly the context, but he couldn't get a play in or didn't have the right play or didn't have the right scenario because he said after the game that it was raining during the game and the ink was, the ink got, uh, (laughs) the ink got messed up on his play sheet. (laughs) Um, So I could see like a Nick S stepping in it, like saying something like that. Like, oh, because his new thing now is like there's things I have to correct you know i have to be better but at some point this guy's he's got such a loud mouth where he's going to say something so fucking stupid that ownership is going to have no other option but to but to cut bait with this guy
0: yeah they have to cuz I, I i think you know maybe you wanted to get to it but the, to me the team is clearly clearly quit on the guy it's it's obvious aj brown won't talk to the media and and he's not rude like there was a clip online of him just being like yeah i'm not going to talk i have nothing nice to say and it's got nothing to do with you guys like t- saying that to the reporters and yeah you, you just know he's not happy you saw him sitting there with his helmet off after they tossed up the Hail Mary at the end of the game and he's shaking his head after the third and 20 to gain well and everything like that like they they know what's being called is like so bad but I guess it's hard. I mean, I know you talked about the contract and going to the Super Bowl, but Jalen is still, like, relatively young. But, like, him or, like, I guess Kelsey, you know, calling protections, like, one of those guys has got to be like, we're not doing this. But that's just, like, not the reality of, of football and, like, being coached.
1: Well, why is it – let me ask you something. Why is it that this franchise allowed Carson Wentz the opportunity to make checks and – Changes at the line of scrimmage when he had a literal Super Bowl winning play caller, a a a great offensive mind in Doug Peterson, who like understood who by the way played quarterback under Don Shula, Mike Holmgren, and Andy Reid. Okay, so uh, uh, do those guys know offense? I think they do. So why is it we allow little? You know, Podunk, North Dakota State loser, Carson Wentz, go up there and change check, kill, 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 kill. Where's the kill on this offense?
0: <laughs> you know, you know what I think the problem is, Bomb. I, I think the uh, I think the second play, like the cut, like the kill to the next play, like that play sucks too, and like they they know that, so they, they <laughs> and and like they probably can't they can't the, the check play I should say the check play like. Jalen probably knows the check play sucks. Um, and they were lucky enough to get to the line of scrimmage on time with the first play and with the right personnel. So why would you try to change anything at the line of scrimmage when there's probably five seconds left on the play clock and you already burned two timeouts in the half?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't it's, know how much more we have to say here, G, but... Yeah,
0: no, somebody... Go ahead. Somebody made a a pretty cool graphic, uh, and it was the Eagles against the Jets. They have the ball around midfield with two minutes left and a two-point lead. Uh, And then against Seattle, they're at midfield with a four-point lead and two minutes left. And then against Arizona, they're tied uh, in plus territory with five minutes left. The Eagles lost all three of those games. And it's not like those are to any... Good teams. All those teams kind of stink. So just really pathetic.
1: Well, think think about think about uh th- this this team's like three plays away from being like nine and eight. And and like I get it's like you know football's one at the margins and there's gonna be plays every game. But think about the the Buffalo game, the shot that 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 uh, Allen had to Gabe Davis, right? Yeah. Uh, think about Dak stepping out of bounds on the scramble. And then think about Valdez Scantling dropping the ball down the field. You know, granted, probably a tough catch, but you're a pro receiver. You got to bring that in. Those are potentially three losses, and you know, totally different narrative. This team isn't going to playoffs if there's three losses. But the fact of the matter is, they are. And if they don't get out of this swirl, this nosedive, uh, this uncontrolled spin, like very quickly, they're fucked. I heard a rumor today. He's not going to play anybody against New York.
0: I don't really think there's any point. Uh Dallas is playing Washington, they're a thirteen point favorite. So and like people are like, but they gotta get reps, they gotta get reps. They need less reps of what they're doing right now. Like <laughs> like they need less reps.
1: I wanna see I wanna see this offense run the same scheme with like Tanner McKee or like Mariota. Like I wanna see about thirteen QB draws next week on that midlife turf with Marcus Mariota and Tan, Can we activate Tanner McKee and run this same offense? That's what I want to see.
0: We'd look like the Iowa Hawkeyes probably. No um, You brought up somebody at, from the game this weekend, super fan Tom. Do you want to sh- share ah. share a note about this fella?
1: Electric, electric. So, you know, I mentioned some of the trials and tribulations in the stadium, some of the comments, you know, I'm trying to get after it, but I'm fairly reserved because I'm with my significant other, my wife. But we're going down the steps, G. I'm up in, you know, nosebleeds going down the steps. And, you know, there's a log jam. And you're, you'll be proud of your boy bomb. We're walking out of there. People were hooting and hollering and screaming and crying. And I I did start. I'm sorry. I had to do it. I did start a Let's Go Flyers chant. Let's um, go! So I, I did it for you. I didn't do that for me. I did that for you. <laughs> um, the, the chant finishes up. And there's a guy. I'm going to call him Superfan Tom. Because he introduced himself shortly after this encounter happened. He's walking in front of me. He's he's he, he kind of is like uh we'll call it, you, you remember in a uh, Christmas vacation when the the boss's wife calls the cops and she's like describing Eddie to the cops. He was a big he was a big brute of a man and you know in a blue yeah. leisure suit. <laughs> that was super fan tom. He was a big brute of a man in a Philadelphia Eagles screen printed with like every type of logo you could imagine Tracksuit. And he's got—he doesn't have a hat. He doesn't have a visor. You know how they sell those like super fan Guy Fieri hats, where yes. where like you strap on the skull cap and then the fake hair pops out and it's like team color. <laughs> this fucking guy is rocking that gear, and he's got like Arizona Ari, or Arizona Adidas um, like track shoes or something, right? So he's got the track gear. Looks like a total dick bag, and he's about <laughs> he's about sixty. 60, 65 years old and he takes a swig out of his flask which he smuggled into the game and proceeds and we're, keep in mind we're, we're standing still like, like there's so much traffic that we're now standing still on the stairs. He proceeds to look around in the stairwell and start pointing at college age kids. We could call them teeny boppers. We could call them crop toppers. We could call them Simmons Slurpers, BCI beers. I gave you a new one. I don't know if you want to unveil it. I'll unveil it later. Maybe that'll be my was bone. It, I'll unveil it later. Was it,
0: it wasn't TikTokers, was it?
1: TikTok, no, TikTokers was already out there. I'll, uh, you know, I got a new one. I got a, I got a new one.
0: Yeah. Lay, lay it out. I've, I remember I saw it, but I forget what it is.
1: Kombucha Katie's. There were so <laughs> many Kombucha Katie's. It's New Year's Eve. Let's go to the game. Let's go to Xfinity. New Kombucha Katie's. <laughs> It's unbelievable. So so Superfan Tom takes a swig of his flask and turns around to whoever even remotely looks like what we've described the BCI Bayers and the TikTokers and the Simmons slurpers as and starts going in on them. You're the fucking problem. You goddamn <laughs> rookies. You fucking idiots don't know when to cheer. Don't know when to shut the fuck up. And like <laughs> nobody... Nobody's saying anything, right? Like, and, and the people he's yelling at are like, come on, man. That's not on me. Look at the team. <laughs> and your boy, Bob. I'm standing right behind Superfan Tom. He's right. You guys suck.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, he, dude, he went off. It was electric. And I, I thought to myself, you know, the more you go to these games, the longer you go to these games, you watch the, the fan. Ba- and we talked about the noise earlier in the year, I feel like, before it became an issue. Like the, the crowds are not what the crowds were pre Super Bowl. Even you know, even post like Doug. Like this is a newfangled crowd. These are people that want to come in. They want to be seen. They want to wear their bejeweled, bedazzled Etsy jean jacket that they got custom for Christmas and posted on Instagram and TikTok while sucking out a kombucha, and you know, providing no value to the team or the fans around them. So. Shout-out to Superfan Tom. Need more of these guys. Need, need more of them out there.
0: More noise on offense than defense some of these days.
1: I but, mean, they got down to, like, the goal line, and people were, like, on their feet clapping, like, hooting and hollering. And I get the tush-pushers coming, but, like, I'm again, I have to say it every game, like, shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah, how many false starts can we get uh, inside the five this year? No, nah, it's, it's interesting because, like, those people, like – just thinking about even doing the pod, like those people be like, yeah, those guys have a podcast and they didn't play football. It's like, well, if I go to the game, I'm not down there, you know, because I want to tell everybody I was at the game or make an Instagram or a TikTok or anything like that. Like, you know, we're on here because it's what we're watching, it's what we're doing, and we're we're talking about it. Like this is this isn't for for you know, attention or anything like that. And yeah, you try to, you try to build something out of it in that regard. But like, those are the same people that would be like, oh, those, those guys are fucking losers. Cause they do a podcast. It's like, well, you're, you're down there being an asshole and, and cheering on offense and, you know, uh, trying to get on bar stool or crossing broad or anything like that. Right. So it's, it's just funny.
1: Gee, the the thing that if you, and I I was told stop stop don't don't say that be nice it's New Year's New Year's Eve and my resolutions don't kick in until midnight so I could be as mean as I want so <laughs> we're walking past Xfinity you know we're on we're on the side like you got to walk you can no longer cut behind Xfinity to get to the stadium you got to walk up to like the entrance of Xfinity and then turn right. You know, Citizens Banks on the caddy corner. The new thing now is everyone's there. And we walked in early. We we were we walked in around eleven forty-five, maybe maybe noon. Wow. Everybody everybody's already packed in. And the, you know the, the outside Xfinity area? Like before you walk into Xfinity, if you just look directly left, there's like an outside patio, like outdoor bar. The new thing isn't gee, it's like the walk of champions. Every fan drinking their white claw or their their fizzy or whatever the hot drink is this year, sticking their hand out. High five. High five. Let's go, birds.
0: Like you're coming out of the tunnel.
1: These are the same people that were strapped up. They got got more fucking hand sanitizer. They they could blow up like a, (laughs) a, a, a federal building in Oklahoma. Like Timothy McVeigh didn't have that much fucking capacity of like alcohol. You know, back in the day, you know, so so these people just a few years ago were, you know, mask up, mask up, and here they are. They're all down there giving you a high five going into the game. Like, spare me your high five. Like, just shut the fuck up.
0: Go birds. Go birds. Go man. birds. Yeah, it's a, it's an ugly state of affairs. You, you got you got any thoughts for for Sunday, or should I wait for the the pick segment? You know, we might. Nah, what I mean, what, the, game?
1: What, what do you want? Like. <laughs> like what are we talking about here like sun like sunday like 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 i do we even want i mean i guess we'll have to watch it because we we have to talk about it the following day but like there's there's really nothing i mean the best thing this team could do is is uh deactivate their entire 53 man roster send them on that fucking boat like the new york giants did before their playoff game with odell on the boat and come back get their teeth kicked in and send them off to the fucking off season that's what i would do
0: or maybe call Mike Norvell and bring the Seminoles up to play the Giants. Hey guys, we know you got jobbed, but uh, here come play an NFL game in Week 18. I don't hate that. Oh well. All right. Uh, you can follow the show on X and on Instagram. Uh, we won't be making any you know photoshopped posts or scrubbing our cheeks uh, for the gram. But but we we will post some content there at TFTS Pod. Uh, we'll say thanks to our sponsor Menard Premium Detailing. Uh, the best auto detail service in Box County, located in Warminster. Uh, follow them on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, and catch them at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. Uh, on a brighter note, more exciting note, more entertaining note, uh, we watched the college football playoff yesterday, and Michigan uh, defeated Alabama in the Rose Bowl. And very late into the night, Washington defeated Texas, Uh, Not without drama at the end, though, surprisingly, uh, in the Sugar Bowl to set the stage for the national championship on Monday night between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies, the top two seeds in the playoffs. The only two undefeated teams in the playoffs will square off for the 2024 national championship. Bomb, we both had a heavy investment in the Crimson Tide on Monday. Um... It got to overtime. You know, we, we we were looking good, and we can we can go back to the game. But it got to overtime, and I really thought thought the cash out might have been the play. And I'm not I'm not blaming you. Like we were texting about it, and you're like, "Here's the cash out." It was for like a little bit, a little bit of a loss, but not a significant loss, like very small percentage. Uh, but once it got to overtime, I was like, "This is bad news for us." Um, but we saw a first half, I think, dominated by Michigan. They only had a three point lead. Uh, their defensive line feasted on the Alabama O-line, and then we saw Alabama make some halftime adjustments and move the ball uh, in the second half. Their center couldn't snap the ball. That killed a few drives, um, but Bama was, was doing some things, and then Michigan nuts up in their own end with three minutes to go on a fourth down. They go down and, and tie the game, and the overtime was was history. Uh, obviously, the the final play for Alabama, the fourth fourth and goal from the three, another bad snap. Looked like Melrose might have had a lane, but the, the bad snap, I think, threw everything off, and uh, Michigan came away victorious. But just any thoughts on that Rose Bowl game?
1: thought we were in good shape. I mean, going into halftime 13-10, knowing Nick Saban's going to make some adjustments, I felt so good. Felt great. They come out. They score 17-13. They get a stop, and I think at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they now have the ball in their midfield, and that's, in my opinion, that's when Alabama lost the game. Jalen Milrow just drops the football on that uh, on that RPO, and I think, I personally think they go down and score there, and 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 then and then the the vice just kind of closes on Michigan. But he drops the ball, and I don't think a lot of people will look at that as like the biggest play because I think Michigan like shanked the field goal coming out of that. But in my opinion, yeah, like, like that's that's where the game's closed out. Like you have if you if you if you go down there and score, you you take the soul out of that Michigan team. And instead, the longer you let them hang around, like I I literally thought, you know, Alabama would win this kind of double digits because a team like Michigan, if you get up on them and get out to like a double digit, double digit margin, like all those bad thoughts start creeping in on like a Michigan team and you just never did it as Alabama.
0: Yeah, you you get Michigan behind and you put the, the game in the hands of McCarthy. And I feel like that's a situation they're not in a lot. Uh, I I know we talked about the Alabama pick and everything like that, and I talked about like the Pro Steam on Michigan and didn't really understand why. But I think I think what that was about was the Michigan defensive line and the Alabama Alabama offensive line. That was a big advantage for Michigan. Um, so I guess I dropped dropped the ball there. did didn't see that one coming. But I think. Outside of that, like, yeah, if they get that to two scores in the fourth quarter, I think Alabama walks away. You force McCarthy into a turnover and stuff like that, because it just kills me to hear, like, the hype train on this kid. Um, And, and Jim Harbaugh, after the game's talking about how he's the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. It's like, you just won the Rose Bowl. And I get that's a big deal, but you didn't finish the job yet. Uh, and he's he choked in the... The TCU game last year, and you beat Penn State this year without throwing the ball in the second half. So, I, I, I don't really understand it. Uh, I, I know everybody on TV has got a job to do to pump up the product, but it'll be a great national championship game uh, if Washington can can block up that D line and let Penix eat. Because watching the, sh- the second game yesterday, like, how the hell did Michael Penix not win the Heisman? Like, I think it's a crime. Uh I know Daniel's put up insane numbers for LSU but we didn't see him on on bowl weekend or in bowl season. We didn't we didn't see him win any any big games this year. He just you know stuffed the stat sheet. Uh and that's great. I'm not trying to take anything away from him but like the year panics had and then the, their performance last night it's like oh like you would, you would look back and watch that and be like, that's why this guy won the Heisman, like if you didn't know anything about Washington or Penix.
1: Oh, and also, that team goes undefeated and wins a conference championship. And, uh, you know, Daniels, I get they're in the SEC, but, you know, three or four lost LSU teams. So, makes no sense. Penix, you know, I was a hater of Penix, but that, watching that game last night, it's hard to hate, man. That guy spins the football. And actually, it's a beautiful thing, that college football with the one single uh, side of the ball that's striped and the way he just kind of chucks it. And it. Dude, it looks like a... Looks like a torpedo coming out of his arm. It's like it's a beautiful thing. And those receivers, man, they got the nice shiny purple gloves. The hands go up. They just snatch it out of the air. Like it's a, it's a sexy brand of football to watch.
0: Yeah, he drop he drops them in. but I, and he gets he gets a fair fair amount of hype. But the the JJ McCarthy love like I don't think I you got to give him credit for the last drive, right? Um, but I mean, did he do anything miraculous to win that game? I thought both Alabama and Michigan were pretty bad. Yesterday and Alabama probably should have won the game because of the advantages and special teams and not turning the ball over. Uh, But when they had the chance to put them away and extend that lead, Milro drops that ball. Michigan scores with, I don't know, a minute and a half left, and Alabama's got nothing on the ensuing drive. And like I said, when it got to overtime, I knew it was bad news for Bama.
1: Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the officiating of that game either. And then and then a kid on Michigan has the balls to say we beat Bama and we beat the refs,
0: <laughs> dude. It was made known before the game, and and I didn't know this for like the pod last week or anything. But the the the, the head of the officiating crew for that game was like a, a Michigan Michigan native, like born in Michigan,
1: and his dad was an official for sixty one years, coaching all, or I should say officiating all these Michigan like high school games and you know low level college games like. That's the biggest issue I ha- I have with gambling is and again it sounds like you heard it before me but like even the appearance of partiality should be accounted for when these when these decisions are made on like who's who's going to be refereeing what game because there's so much money on on these games and then you flip it on and you're like wait hang on a second here this dude's from Michigan and and I get maybe he's not the guy that's fully making the call. I don't know who, who exactly in college is making the call on the reviews, but, like, that first ball that McCarthy threw up near the boundary, like, I didn't see any. I mean, I'm looking at a 65-inch 4K UHD TV here on uh, Rose Bowl fucking New Year's Day, and I, I didn't see any definitive angle that showed cleat definitively touching white line. And... You know, you you look at things like that, and, and and you just can't help but question. Like the call on the field is an interception, and and I don't, you know, Bama probably didn't deserve to win that game with how they finished, but like that is a game changing play, and and we're just gonna like overturn it, like based off of no visual evidence that I that I saw. I, I, I it's it's hard to believe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think yeah, I I agree with that. I think they're the better team. Ultimately, did win, but for somebody to say that they beat Alabama and the refs—that's absurd. But yeah, it was it was interesting to see the halftime adjustments that Saban was able to make to slow down Michigan on offense and get Alabama to move the ball uh, when they had it. Uh, because you're used to just watching a guy like Nick S, the fake Nick S, or, or James Franklin come out and just continue to do what we do, uh, even when it doesn't get you an inch. Um, but that Sugar Bowl, man, like. It was late. <laughs> that game ended around one o'clock Eastern here. And I was ready to mail it in. You know, Washington moving the ball at will and Texas kind of shooting themselves in the foot throughout the night. Um, and, and Washington had a two score lead late and and Texas gets to one score and all and they, they don't get the onside kick and all Washington had to do was was run out the clock and they're they're snapping it in shotgun. And running the ball, and granted Texas had two timeouts, um, and on the third down play, when they're out of timeouts, the running back goes down. Dylan Johnson goes down and can't get off the field. So it stops the clock with like 50 seconds left, whereas if he trots off, the punt team comes on, they're punting it with like 10 seconds left. Uh, so that that was insane. And then Washington roughs the, uh, the punt returner for Texas, and Texas gets down the field. Uh, and then the, the the play sheet for Sark, the play selection for Sark, in that last sequence when they were probably about I don't know ten fifteen yards from the end zone, they throw a half back swing pass and they throw a couple jump balls and fall fall a little bit short there. But uh, yeah, a game that looked like it was going to end uh, pretty uneventfully turned out to have some drama.
1: Yeah, it was a crazy ending, and I don't even think the announcers knew the situation because on that last Washington drive, they're like, why don't they take a knee here? Which, like, in retrospect, would have been the better play, given that a guy got injured. But, like, you need the first down to run out the clock. Like, you're going to be punting it if you don't get a first down. And then the cherry on top is that running back. I mean, I have no, I don't, I don't, I don't know what did they come out and say what what happened to the kid? G.
0: I haven't heard yet today, but he he went off the field on a cart. Like he was standing on the sidelines for the end, and then after they won, he was carted off.
1: See, if I'm that guy, if I'm that guy. If I'm the player, I'm not limp. I can't, I can't limp to the sideline. Like in that situation, I have to be carded off. So like, even if the trainer said, why don't you put a little weight on it? No, no, no. Bring the card out. Because I, I told you this last night, I think even DeMar Hamlin finds a way to get to the sideline in that situation. Like, how do you not have a team that has like a play where like, if there's an injured player and, and I say that half jokingly, but like, let's say there's an injured player and it's not life threatening. Why don't the five offensive linemen pick the fucking guy up, schlep him to the goddamn sideline, and get back on the field? Like, you almost cost your team the fucking game.
0: Yeah. You, well, you talked about uh, Sean McDonough and McElroy. Like, I think they were on, like, coast mode, like talking about odd things for, like, the last seven, eight minutes of that game as, as Texas tried to scratch and call, claw back to just make it a one-possession game. And then, yeah, I think they were not prepared for the end of that game. So probably a difficult situation for them, but yeah, they they were, they were in coast mode and talking about awards and, you know, people going to school and stuff like that. And you still have a game going on. And then the injury, I thought the same thing, like how are there not two guys on the field for Washington that are like, we can't have this clock stop. Like we just got to carry this dude off and it almost cost them. It really almost cost them. But I, I didn't want to see that because, um, you know, I th- I think Washington, you know, played pl- played the much better game and
1: and, and what, is there is get... there another reason why you didn't want to see that?
0: Well, I had Washington. That was that was my pick <laughs> of the week last week. I had, <laughs> I <had> plus four, <laughs> I had plus three and a half. I had, I uh, had but, money. But let's let's
1: put that aside. I mean, they just played a better game.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they did for uh, fifty eight minutes there, and then and then hung on at the end. But yeah, I, I think I I was going back and forth with with some people on this toward the end of that game. I think Washington will give, would give Michigan the better game. Like Texas is good. They have a lot of size and speed and stuff like that, but they just kind of play like a pretty discombobulated game on both sides. Whereas I think Washington has an offensive line better than Alabama that can maybe slow down the Michigan pass rush and let Penix just try to dice up the Wolverines.
1: I agree. Looking forward to the game, man.
0: Should be a good game. Uh, we did see Penn State uh, from afar. You know, we were, at the, we were at the birthday party, but we saw them from afar get embarrassed by Ole Miss and the Peach Bowl. And, you know, I, I went on the message boards after the game, the insiders, all the honks, and they're starting to turn on J.F. Bomb. Believe it or not, like, people were pissed. And I know you've been preaching it for years, and I, I, I followed a little, a little thereafter. Uh, but for this guy in J.F., to talk about like how we're doing things the right way with the opt-outs and the transfer portal and everything like that leading into this game. Like there was only like two official opt-outs and then like a bunch of other guys didn't play. And before the game, he's like, "Yeah, well we we had conversations with the parents and we have guys like Saquon Barkley who set an example cuz he played in that Fiesta Bowl for a half against Washington a few years ago." And then they come out and like almost half the starters like aren't playing and then after the game he's like yeah just too many moving parts with like guys opting out and coaching changes and stuff like that like god forbid it couldn't be the fact that like you still can't get your five-star quarterback to perform
1: plus like i'm, I'm led to believe this guy has great recruiting class after great recruiting recruiting class so like shouldn't there be a guy after the guy like what do they do all year in practice like Next man... Is there no next man up at, like, Penn State? Next man up. Next man up. Like, am I missing something here?
0: It's just a facade. It's the JF facade. That man's got more excuses than than anyone I've ever heard. It's always something new.
1: I'd like to see him and Sirianni coach against each other. I think it'd be so funny. It would be like... they, they They wouldn't know what to do because the other one would have a fuck up and this one would have a fuck up and this one would pop a timeout. It would be like it would be unbelievable to watch those two coach against each other. I just, I'm thinking about that right now.
0: <laughs> I don't know what I would like in the two, but yeah, with those two guys at the helm, like I, one of our boys, Chip, he texted me. He's like, yeah, I'm at peace with where like Penn state and the Eagles are at. Like, it's just, it's just done. It's just done until there's a coaching change. Yeah. But yeah, that's it, man. National championship. Monday night, I think it's in Houston, Michigan, Washington, two Big Ten teams, Bob. How about that? Big Ten, baby.
1: Well, you have to ask yourself, <laughs> with two Big Ten teams in the title, why is the Penn State fans assume they're going to get into the playoff with two losses? Why is it that uh, people they're, assume they're going to have two losses?
0: I went through the schedule on New Year's Eve with, uh, with my brother and another another friend who's a loyal listener of the show. And uh, we we can we can mark this down. I'll clip it and save it for next year. I got Penn State at six and six next year.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so we'll get to the picks. Uh, picks are brought to you by the Sharps app. Bob and I are both on there sharing picks, uh, sharing our our big ass wagers on Alabama that that didn't come through, but hit hit a number of good ones throughout this bowl season. Uh, the Sharps app on iOS on Android. It's a free transparent sports betting community. And link your sports book uh, to share your picks and follow your friends and fade your friends or tail your friends or talk trash. Uh, so, download the Sharps app today and sign up using referral code TFTS 977. Since the college game is Monday, let's start with uh, week 18 in the NFL. Uh, some playoff spots still up for grabs. Bomb. Week 18, we'll have some guys resting, but we'll have some teams playing for some things. Where are you headed for uh, for Week 18?
1: I'm going to a football team that hasn't quit on its coach. I'm going to a football team that showed some fight. I'm going to a football team that showed some confidence after a midseason coaching change. I mean, this is a team that just a few weeks ago looked like Super Bowl contenders after knocking off the Chiefs without even having to throw a pass. Let's go out to Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders are playing the non-Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos Sunday at 428. Broncos are getting two and a half. I'm going to take the Raiders. They're going to fight for Antonio Pierce. They're going to fight for their head coach, and it's going to look a hell of a lot different than what we've seen here in Philly. So take the Raiders, lay the two and a half.
0: Raiders minus two and a half. I didn't update the records. Uh, we both went one and one last week. We went head-to-head uh, on the, the – Lions-Cowboys game. Uh, I had the Cowboys minus six. You had Lions plus six. And the Lions got jobbed um, and lost the game by a point. And then uh, you lost on Bama. That was your official play, and I hit on Washington. Uh, I had something else written down, and... I honestly don't feel as good about I had Bengals minus six written down. The Browns are locked into the five seed there in the AFC. Can't go up, can't go down. Probably going to rest their guys, rest elite Joe Flacco, who's been tearing it up. Uh, I think that's actually a team in the Browns that could do some damage in the AFC playoffs, believe it or not. Uh, but can't put, put too much stock into who's in, who's out. Like Browns play their backups. They want to ruin a season, and the Bengals have kind of been up and down. Uh, I'm just going to go with New York Giants' money line, plus 200. The Eagles are are dead. Um, they have no answers. They won't change anything. They'll probably run the same 70 plays they ran against the Giants on Christmas Day, uh, so Wink Martindale will know what's coming. Uh, and we have a defense that can't stop a nosebleed, has no willingness to stop a nosebleed, so let's go New York Giants, plus 200 on the money line on Sunday at 425. Uh, That'll bring us to the national championship game, Michigan-Washington. Hopefully it doesn't go as late into the night as uh, that Sugar Bowl did, but we know college football has to get their commercials in. Uh, Michigan at the moment, minus four and a half in this game. Bob, what do you think for the natty?
1: I got to do it. I'm sorry I have to do it. I I want to bet Washington, but I I that's what my heart is saying. My brain is saying take Michigan because Michigan is the blue blood. Michigan is the Big Ten blue blood, and uh, I think they're gonna want to send Harbaugh out on top before he you know saunters off into the sunset. I'm taking Michigan. I'm gonna lay the points.
0: I'm with you. It hurts. Uh, I lo- Like I said, I love Penix. I think if they can protect him up, like they can score some points. Um, but I-, I can't count on that, given what I saw the Michigan D-line do to-, to a team like Alabama, who's got like five guys that are 6'5", 350 on their O-line. Uh, and the other thing I think about, too, is like, Michigan can keep Penix off the field. They can just pound the rock with Corum and Edwards. They don't need to lean on J.J. McCarthy. Um, the Washington Washington defense isn't the same as Alabama. Like Michigan can just lean on them with that O-line and then maybe pop a few over the top, uh, when the box gets loaded up. So I think, yeah, sadly, I think Michigan's going to win this game and they, they might win it pretty easily, but I, you know, you can't count out Washington and they've been doubted all year long, I feel like, and they've just continued to show up and respond and perform. So we'll hope for a great game. Uh, but I, I think Michigan, uh, it's their year. It just feels like their year despite all the bullshit. And <laughs> somebody was pissed that, like, after the Rose Bowl, uh, they they talked about, like, overcoming all the adversity. It's like the self-inflicted adversity of, like, the cheating and, like, your coach being a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it just, it just feels like their year, sadly. So I'm, I think I'm going to have to lay it with Michigan as well.
1: It would be like Tiger Woods winning the Masters a month after or a year after his, like, marital issues and standing there and saying, oh, yeah, like, been having a lot of personal problems recently. G- glad to overcome it. Buddy, that's all on you.
0: Yeah. So we'll look to improve upon our records, Bomb 18 and 13 on the year. I'm at 19 and 13 on the year. I felt like I wanted to get to one more thing or make one more comment, but Nothing coming to me, so you got anything else to leave the people with as we start up 2024 with episode 116, we'll call it point two. That's
1: all I got, G. That's
0: all we got. Well, we'll thank everybody for listening. We'll say thanks to Menard and the Sharps app, and we'll talk to everybody ahead of the Eagles' first-round playoff matchup. Get fired up.